0: I feel like pledging something this morning, (laughs) so I'm going to. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I wanna pledge something else. I want to pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands one savior crucified risen and coming again with life and liberty to all who believe amen amen I still pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. Say it again. Say it again. Come on. One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and One nation under God. That's what we're going to talk about today. Do you still believe it? Do you still believe in it? It's getting harder. But at our foundation, we had as our foundation to be one nation. Under God. We even wrote songs about it like
1: this God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam god bless america my home sweet home god America, my home sweet home, scripture
0: says, amen, scripture says in Psalm thirty-three, twelve. listen to the words of the word of God, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God, who is under God. That's what the scripture says. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save you. Scriptures are clear. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The nation who puts their hope In trust in God not in their wealth not in their military might not in their government certainly not in their president God help us if we put our trust in any man because blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the scripture goes on to say the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. That's our prayer. Today and every day, that we would be agents of hope because our hope is in you and not in ourselves and not in man, in any form. Solely you are the Lord of our lives. We declare that today, we pledge to that today. As we stand before you, I pray that you will see hearts completely surrendered to you and your will and your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to that end today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat, and let me just continue with that thought. Our founding fathers of our nation, this nation under God, though broken, right, right? I'm not rewriting history to tell you that broken people were at the foundation and and discovery of the great American experiment, right? Okay, you don't have to rewrite anything for people to understand that the men who worked on the foundational principles that this nation was built on many, many years ago, were broken. But though broken, they were righteous in their desire to make this nation what they coined the phrase of a more perfect union. The preamble to the US Constitution goes like this. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, which is peace, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. These that are written here were the foundational things that our forefathers believed would make us a nation of laws and unity and prosperity and peace. That was their goal. Many of our founding fathers were said to have been born again believers and they actually used, because they were dedicated to the word of God, they actually used the word of God as they fashioned this declaration of a more perfect union. And this nation was founded unapologetically at the time On Judeo-Christian values and what that means is that man's job is to serve God with a goal of making his will on earth not ours if that's news to you that that was the foundational belief system upon which this nation was founded and built upon you need to go back and read the right history book not the ones that are being written today These are the foundation blocks of this nation, not the Marxist, socialistic, communistic governing systems that are, as we saw last week, they're pro man and they're anti God and they're anti Christ, and their founding fathers prove that. All of these systems of governance, by the way, are broken. Any system of governance outside of a government, a nation under God is broken from the start. But as we lose ground on the Judeo-Christian front and are seeing an ever-increasing rise of socialism and communism, hear me now, the prophetic reality, the prophetic, not pathetic, The prophetic reality is that we are going to fly right by socialism and communism and are speeding headlong into another form of governance that is another level of evil, and it's called globalism. And that's what we're going to talk about this week and next week. I thought I could get it all in in one week. Not going to happen. So I split it in two. Globalization. Includes globally centralized power, globalized governance and policy, and globalized economy. In fact, here's a definition of globalism, globalization: the entire world being interconnected in systems of finance, trade, technology, religion, and government. One economist wrote this, globalization is a trend toward the development of a single world culture. We're gonna work more in depth on that next week, but that scares me to death. Dr. Al Mohler, who's the president of Southern Seminary, added a biblical twist to all of this when he wrote, we will find ourselves living in an economy and in a community that is, here's the word, irreversibly connected globally. That's where we're headed. Because you need to understand, once we go there, once we get there, there's no turning back. That is prophetic. Many scholars believe it will only take one catastrophic event to trigger the rise of a globalized government. Many believe it is the rapture of the church. But some even believe that COVID 19 may be the thing that is going to usher us into that. It certainly is a telltale sign, maybe even a warm up. Because if you think about it, how do you get the whole world, who are all individual nations, to agree it's better if we're just all under one head? The only way to do that is to warm us up to the idea. And some believe that COVID-19 is showing us how fast it can be ushered in. One professor wrote of COVID-19, perhaps the situation created by COVID-19 might serve to highlight the particular advantages of shifting to a world federal government. This may trigger a change that would not only mitigate the damage caused by the pandemic, but would also, get this now, would also offer solution to many of the other challenges humanity is currently facing. And in March of 2020, remember that dreadful month? March of 2020, the former British Prime Minister Gordon Brown called for, at that time, a temporary form of global government in order to deal with the pandemic. It's getting closer and closer. The world is getting smaller and smaller as we develop technologically. You understand that, right? Which means that we are closer than ever and even more vulnerable to what the scripture calls a one world government. I think that we're just waiting for the right conditions to show themselves that we're gonna walk right into it. The Antichrist is gonna rise up and everyone's gonna say, this is our salvation and they're going to, through deception, satanic deception, they're going to believe it, and they're gonna walk right into the end of all time. But I wanna remind you of something that I'm going to remind you of every single week, that God knew all of this would happen, God told us all of this would happen, and God has a plan for you and me in the fulfillment of it all. Do you still believe that? Okay. Yeah, but I don't like it. I don't either. <laughs> I want to do something about it. I do too. In fact, I want to stop it. I totally agree. But I need to inform you and remind myself of the truth that there are two unstoppable forces at work in the world today, two What word did I use? Unstoppable forces. I want you to write these down. and I want you to rehearse them in your mind. I want you to rehearse them with your family. Keep them in the forefront of your mind as you're dealing, trying to deal with and make sense of all that's happening in our world. That there are two unstoppable forces at work in our world today, and the first is the temporal and natural downward trajectory of all mankind. That's what we're gonna deal with today. The second is the eternal prophetic reality of the end of all mankind as we know it that's what we're going to deal with next week leave it up there guys because i want them to get this and write it down i don't want to be guilty this week of you saying i didn't have enough time i notice that some of you even take pictures every once in a while because you know we go too fast i appreciate that thank you for that two unstoppable forces At work in the world today the first is the temporal and natural downward trajectory of all mankind and the second because it's going to get worse and worse that's what the scripture tells us the second is the eternal prophetic reality of the end of all mankind as we know it which means we're gonna get to the end of this story which has been prophesied God told us would happen and then we march into the rest of eternity That's what we're going to be working on today and next week. Let me, let me take you back to the very beginning. And what I mean by that is the very beginning of time. I'm going to be jumping all over the scriptures. So if you're fast and you want to go with me, you can. Okay? There is going to be a place. We're going to land in Genesis chapter 3 and talk a little bit about that where I'm going to stop and have you actually turn there. But just do your best to keep up. Okay? Okay? okay. All right. Genesis chapter one, verse one. I'm taking you all the way back to the beginning, and these are the first four words of the Bible. The first four words we know of God at all is that in the beginning, God. I'm not gonna keep on going. We all know that the next words are, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm gonna stop there, though, because what I want you to know, what God wants us to know, and what we can know today is that in the beginning, God was there. Before there was anything created, before anything else happened, before time even was known, before there was such a thing as time, in eternity past, God was there. You need to know that. It's important to understand that because people don't believe that. But That is the truth that we find in the scripture. You wanna, have, you wanna blow your mind up? Try to think about what God was doing eternity past before he created the heavens and the earth and began time. Try to figure that out. So what was God doing in heaven for eternity past? Do you know that eternity past means there is no beginning? You get that? You kids that are sitting in the room? There is no beginning to God. God has always existed. God is existing, and he always will exist. And the scripture is clear. The very beginning of scripture tells us that in the beginning was God. Before anything else that we know, what was he doing? We don't know. It doesn't matter whether we can figure it out. What matters is that we know because the scripture tells us that in the beginning, at our beginning, when creation of the earth happened, God was there and God, hear me now, God was in authoritative control of everything and he still is. We also know that Jesus was there. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God. Genesis, or John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. Of course, we know from study of Scripture that the Word is Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. See, what the Bible knows that we're stupid, and we're sheep, and he knows that we forget. And so he does this kind of stuff in the Scripture. In the beginning was the Word. Okay, we get it. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Awesome. Awesome. He was in the beginning with God. Yeah, you already told us that. Yeah, I know, but you probably have already forgotten it. I want you to understand, Bible says, what God wants us to know is that in the beginning, God was there, and in the beginning was the Word. Jesus was there, and Jesus was with God because Jesus is God. Get it? Isn't that awesome? Through him, Jesus, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. And for those of you who are really afraid of this whole future talk and the things that you're seeing, because I've heard some of you say, this is making me all nervous. Wake up to the reality and remind yourself that in him Jesus Christ is life and that life is the light of all mankind and his light is shining in the darkness and the darkness has not and will not and will never overcome the light of Jesus Christ. And we are the light of Christ because we're in him. We have nothing to be afraid of. God the Father was there in the beginning ruling Ruling, are you hearing that word? Ruling over all things. God the Son, Jesus was there in the beginning creating all things. And God the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning hovering and superintending over it all. This is what's called the Godhead or the Trinity. God ruling over all things from his throne in heaven. From the beginning, hear me now, there has only been One true ruler and authority, and since then, there have only been imperfect duplicational attempts at governing the people of the earth by the people of the earth. There is only one nation that is blessed, and it is the nation that is under God, under his rule, under his authority, following his rule book, doing the things that he is wanting, getting his kingdom done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the only nation, the only system of governance that is blessed, is a nation under God, which it was at the beginning, it still is today, no matter what we think, no matter what anybody tells you, it's not gonna ever be any different, no matter how hard we try. God says in Isaiah 46, nine, remember the things I have done in the past. Remember that from last week? God wants us to remember. Satan wants us to forget. But God says, remember all the mighty things that I have done in the past. Here's why. For I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Well, how selfish is that? You know God's the only god that can be selfish. Because he's perfect and he's holy. I just tricked you into that. You can't you can't label God selfish. You know why? Cuz he's God. And he is the ruler of all things. He makes the rules. He can do whatever he can. And we can trust it. You can't trust a man to make all the rules because men are broken. But you could trust God to make all the rules. And even though you can't make sense of a lot of the things, most of the things that God does, because they don't make sense to us humanly, you can trust him and you can trust it and the things that he has said to be true and right and righteous because God is holy and God is sinless. In perfection he rules and he controls and he has authority. I am God, and there is none like me. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. I have said what I would do, and I will do it. Listen to me. (laughs) Oh, man, you're gonna get offended right now. Listen to me, you stubborn people, who are so far from doing right, for I am ready to set things right, not in the distant future, but right now. So I got a question for you. Are you okay with this truth? Are you okay with God being the only one who is worthy of and capable of ruling the people of the earth? Are you okay with that? Of course you are. You're in church. (laughs) Of course you believe that. Who's going to stand up in this body right here and say, no, I don't believe that? Well, maybe somebody. Of course you do. We're followers of him. Tragically, not everybody is. Satan didn't think it was a good idea. He was this created being in heaven, in the perfection, living amongst the perfection. And he didn't think it was a good idea. He wasn't okay with God being in authority over him. And so he said in his heart, according to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I, get this now, hear this, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the what? The most high God. He knew who God was. He knew God's authority. He knew that God was the ruler of all, and yet somehow in his heart of hearts, he believed, I can climb to the top of the heavens and become like the most high God. And God said, oh, no, you won't. In Isaiah 42, 8, he said, I am the Lord. That is my name, and I will not share my glory or praise with anyone and God cast Satan out of heaven because of his pride and arrogance. Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall and we see it right from the very beginning of time. God cast him out of heaven and he declared, I have a plan. And you're not in it. I have a governing system that I will establish on the earth. And back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God went on to say in in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 that God created the family unit. With the man as the head of the home and the woman as his completer, or the scripture calls her his helper, to complete him so that they can be fruitful and multiply, and the two of them were to fill the earth and govern over it. And God said, I will be your God and you will be my people, and God and his people lived in peace and prosperity under God's system of governance. Where in 1 Corinthians 11.3, it tells us that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. And the people of earth, my friends, are not okay with this truth because Satan is not okay with this truth. In fact, people are going to get upset with me for even pointing out the fact that God has established a system of governance where he is the God, he is the ruler, he is the authoritator, and yet he puts man in the middle of a home and God created the family unit. God did not create a government. And he said, man I will work with you guys. I will take care of you. I will be your God. You will be my people. And together we will rule, and you will rule and govern on the earth. Multiply. What are we multiplying? Governments? Nations? No, we're multiplying families. Why do you think Satan is attacking the family the way that he is today? Oh, my word. I haven't, <laughs> I just backed myself into a corner and I don't know how to get my way out of it. This is what I have been told. I have not read this actually with my own eyes, but I have been told that, that in the founding documents of BLM that they are against the nuclear family. If that's true, then Why? if for no other reason that Satan is against everything God has established and God has set up, and what God created for there to be a governance over the earth is the family unit, and he is at work trying to tear down and destroy the family unit at every level. We need to not be ignorant of that. Satan isn't okay with this plan that God has, and so he visited Adam and Eve. You can go ahead now and turn to Genesis chapter three. Remember, he, had, he has fallen from heaven. God cast him down because he said, I will be like the most high God. And so God establishes his system on the earth. Satan doesn't like it, so Satan comes and visits Adam and Eve And tempts them to rebel against God and to adopt his system of rebellion in opposition to God's system of governance. We read about it in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now please, please don't check out. Some of you stayed up too late. See what what the disadvantage that you have over me is that I can see you fading asleep. (laughs) It's funny because one time, and I won't say who, but somebody was near the front. And they made the mistake of falling asleep. And so I I gave them a little bit of time. I kind of brought my voice up a little bit to try to snap them out of it, and it didn't work. So I came down here and said, I came down here on purpose, and I made a point, and I said, hello. And I kind of went like that just to wake them up. You guys thought I was just making a strong point. (laughs) Don't don't check out on this story because you've heard it so many times you raised up in church, you've heard Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, which is the fall of man. You've heard that told so many times. You've even seen flannel graph of the story. <laughs> Don't check out. This is fundamental to what we're talking about today and fundamental to the end of all things. Now, the serpent, Satan actually took the form of a serpent in this story, but the serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, stop. Evidently, sermons could talk in the Garden of Eden. Isn't that creepy? It probably wasn't then, but it is to me now. Can you imagine? Hello. (laughs) One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? I do not have time to point out that he is just totally setting her up and he's totally twisting everything, okay? You can figure that out on your own. But Eve says in in verse two, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So she totally understood, right? She totally understood, Adam totally understood God said, I'm going to put you in the garden. You can eat any, from any tree, from any plant. You can do anything you want. There's just one tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. Don't eat from its fruit. The day you do, you will die. That's what God said. She totally got it right. You won't die. Here he is, speaking his native tongue. He's lying to her. You won't die," the serpent replied to the woman. "God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like who?" Okay, put in there the most high God. You will be like the most high God. God knows if you eat from the knowledge of good the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like the most high God knowing both good and evil. True or false? False because there is no other God than our God. You can't do anything to be like him. Nothing in the world can get you to that point. It's a flat-out lie, but the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. What did he do? He went right to the heart of mankind, He went right into her heart and convinced her that she, that God is holding something back from her, that her life would be better if it wasn't under God. Her life would be better if she was like the most high God, if she had the knowledge that God was keeping from them, because he knew, he's keeping me down. This is what he tempted inside of Eve and inside of Adam so she took some of the fruit and ate it then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate too are you are you awake are you listening men are you listening who did God establish to be the head of the home okay so adam where was adam with her It's Adam's job to stand in the way of the evil that comes against his wife and his family. It is Adam's job to say, excuse me, serpent. Hang on, one second. Let me go get my stomping boots so I can do what you should do to snakes. Who do you think you are? Don't be coming in here with the lies, your lies, and trying to, persuade my family away from following the lord my family stands with god we are under god and he let he let eve have the conversation you don't see him anywhere stepping in and then because if he was weak he took the apple now i say weak just like i know that i'm weaker I don't have any idea in my head that I would have done anything different than Adam, but he shirked his responsibility. There's a lesson in that for us, guys. Sign up for the Love and Respect Conference. That's a shameless plug, but I'm serious. You want to lead your family, lead them into righteousness sacrifice, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care what you have going on that weekend. Get your wife here. She gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate it too, and at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame. And through that one act, Scripture tells us that sin entered into the world and the hearts of men became dark and wicked and deceitful above all things, Scripture tells us, which means we are totally depraved and it separated us from God and His righteousness. And so started the temptation and the downward, here we go, this is our definition, the downward trajectory to take control of our lives and to rule over our futures where men and women have been saying in their hearts ever since, I want to rule. I want to make my own rules. I want to go on my own way and follow my own path. I want to govern my own life. And as the result, men and women have and always will move away from God and his rule and authority, never towards it. Isaiah describes it like this in Isaiah 53:6. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. Can't you hear it? As we walk away from God and His systems, we have left God's paths. To follow our own, the scripture says. And then Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3 no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. We have all turned away, have all become useless. No one does good, not a single one. And since Adam and Eve's sin of rebellion against God's authority, men and women of the earth, have been turning away from following God as our king and have put ourselves on the throne of our lives and have been trying to find our way to govern others. And we all are groping around in the darkness, the blind leading the blind, resulting in what's called the temporal and natural downward trajectory of all mankind. And some of you are like, oh, that's what's wrong with What we need to say is, oh, that's what's wrong with me. Are you a born-again believer? Do you have the Holy Spirit of God? Then why do you still sin? Because there is always something inside of us that wants our own way. We want to go our own path. We don't want to follow God's standard and God's rule over us. We want to rule over ourselves. We want our own pleasures. And so we're continually rebelling against God. Thank God we have His Holy Spirit who convicts us and and brings us back in line so that we can repent of our sins. In that definition, the temporal and natural downward trajectory, the reason I've chosen the word temporal when describing the downward trajectory of all mankind is for two reasons. The first is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. That's really good news. To make all of this that is wrong right and new again. He's going to bring it back under his control and authority, which will bring peace and prosperity on the earth as it was in the beginning. And he will deal with all of the sin. He will deal with all of the rebellion. And we're gonna work on that next week. But the other reason is that there is hope for the depravity that we're all born into. And hope's name is Jesus. Been singing about him all morning. John 10.10 says the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, but I have come to give you life and to give it to you in abundance. Luke told us in his gospel that Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. Here's the best news of it all. When Jesus returns, The scripture tells us that the government will be upon his shoulders. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And I just want you to hear me loud and clear as I bring this to an end here. That if you come to Jesus for salvation, And you become born again, born again into the family of God, then you will live in that peace with Him. You'll live in that peace with me because I'm born again. You'll live in that peace with all of those who have repented of their sins and given their lives to Jesus. God loves you so much. And the way that he demonstrated his love to you is that even though your life and your will has rejected him, and even though we have gone our own way, even though we're selfish and self-seeking and sinful beings, even while we were still sinning, the scripture says, Christ died for us. Scripture is clear that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's really good news. Romans 10, 9 says that if you will declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Who's Lord? Jesus is Lord. See, that's what salvation is, my friends. It is declaring that I am not on the throne of my life. God is on the throne of my life. I have made a total mess of it. I've totally screwed it up. But God has made a way to fix it for you and for me. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved please hear me clearly Satan wants you to believe that you can't be happy that you'll never be fulfilled under God he wants you to believe that you really can't live underneath God's rule you can't understand what life really is underneath God's control But the message for all of us, the message for you today from God is that outside of me you never will really live. That's God's message to all of us. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Will you bow your heads with me? And um, I really believe I need to close like this today. So just hear me in your heart, um, you can't study prophecy without the declaration, the call to be saved. Because prophecy is actually guarantees that the end is coming. And what it guarantees is that there's coming an end of the age of grace. There is coming an end to your open invitation to be saved and we're living in it now. And if you're sitting here today and the Lord is touching you and you know that you're not saved, would you do me a favor? And those of you who are online, do the same. Would you just raise your hand and look at me And just say, I need to be saved, Phil. I need to repent of my sin. And I need salvation. You just raise your hand and look at me. Everyone else has their heads bowed. Not a single hand went up. I don't know, our prayer team, somebody could probably tell me whether somebody's raising their hand online, because you can do the same thing online and our prayer team will connect with you. Not a single hand went up. If it is true that every single one of us in this room are truly born again, I am so excited. It just blesses my heart and sets us up for next week really well. But here's what I want to say to you. If you are in the room or online and you just didn't have the courage to raise your hand and you really need Jesus, will you just please give your heart to the Lord? There are things coming that you do not want to experience There is a time coming when you will no longer hear the voice of the Lord. You'll hear a different voice. And that opportunity for you to be saved will pass you by. You can be saved today. You can repent of your sin. You could just simply say to the Lord, I believe who you are, Lord Jesus. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe you died for the cross for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I know that I'm a sinner and I want to repent of my sin and get this now. I want to bring my life into complete control underneath your rule. I want to make you the Lord of my life. That is salvation, my friends. It's that simple. And then you just spend the rest of your days living it out. If today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Give your heart to the Lord. If you need help, I will be down here in the front. Our team will be down here in the front. If you're online, at home, wherever you are listening, and you need help with coming to Christ, please reach out to us. We're serious about this. God is serious about this. This stuff is real. Help us, Lord. Strengthen our hearts. And speak into us as to how you want to use us to change the world. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for your attentiveness. Give somebody a big hug on the way out. I love you. Tell somebody else you love them on your way out today, okay? God bless you. Thank you for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you, if you haven't already, download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you, and you can find that at fbclcart.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.